Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank all the people who have reviewed and rated our podcast. This review comes from Express Yourself and Shine. We all know someone who has battled cancer, and Andrea interviews people on this journey, whether for themselves or a loved one. You will be moved to tears by the authenticity of her guest, a difficult topic handled beautifully. Express yourself and shine. Thank you so much for your review and your five-star rating on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Patricia Doucette speaks with clarity, compassion, and humor, encouraging women to never give up. A Christian wife, mother, cancer survivor, cancer caregiver, divorcee, mental health and relationship coach, artist, and pianist. She is on a mission to inspire women who are on their own journey from brokenness to beloved. Patricia, after many technical difficulties, we are here. Yay us. Yay. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. I am happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So I'll let you start wherever you like. There's, I've got a couple of choices here. So tell us either about your cancer journey or your journey as a caregiver, whichever one you'd like to start with first. I'll start with mine. Okay. It's of course, right at the front of our minds. I was a young mom, 35 years old with three children under the age of 10. As busy as can be spinning lots of plates, working uh, at a bank and volunteering at church a lot. And I noticed this little, not little, a medium-sized grape lump right here on my thyroid. And I'd put my makeup on one morning and I thought, oh, I don't have time to do anything about that. It'll probably go away. Long story short, a few weeks later, after a bunch of testing and biopsies, and it was a very slow growing thyroid cancer. And there's a big long name for it, which I, I just don't remember. (laughs) So it doesn't matter. It was cancer. Was that a goiter that you felt? No, it was just a a lump attached to the thyroid. Okay. That was not supposed to be there. (laughs) So, uh, I had ended up having three surgeries. The first one, I was um, went to my local doctor here and he said, oh, piece of cake. He said, we just cut from here to here. He said, pop that thing out, he said, and no trouble. And I went, no trouble for you, maybe not, but it's my throat, you know? <laughs> so I ended up go, getting another opinion. I went Good. to a city near us an hour away. I ended up in the, in the cancer center there and had a a surgeon do the surgery. So a better one, I thought. So that was all good. Uh, Had that done when I went back to uh, get the, they were carpet staples right across here. Took them out. That was fine. And he said, "Um, I think we studied this a little bit more and we should have done a bigger, a bigger, um, 
a bigger surgery, but he said, it's very slow growing. And he said, we don't have to do anything with it now, but he said, if it ever comes back, it'll come back in five years. So I was good. So I'm 40 at this time. And when you know it, five years, I get another lump in the same place. And I thought, speak it and you get it. Wow. (laughs) You shouldn't have said it in the same place. So I did have another surgery in the same place here. And that time I went and I'm, I'm laying down and he's taking these 10 or 12 carpet staples out of my neck. And I'm thinking, oh, this is done now. Done, done, done. You know, I'm good to go. He goes, remember, I told you one time that we checked the lump. Well, he said, we checked it again. He said, and the last time we probably should have done a radical neck surgery five years ago, but we didn't. So we're going to do it now. So he's telling me I need a bigger surgery while he's taking these staples. This is after the second one. Yeah. After the second one. So my tears are running down here. And he said, we're going to take a muscle out of here, take your lymph nodes out. And the the scar will go over here. And he said, it's called a radical neck. You won't have chemo. You won't have radiation, but we're going to strip everything out of your neck. All you'll be able to do after that is hold your head up. I went, oh, okay. (laughs) Wait, had it spread to your lymph node? No, it really hadn't. It was just a precaution. And I always wondered why he had to take this. You know, you have a muscle right here. Yeah. Why this muscle had to come out, I don't know. But that's 25 years ago now. So he did a good job anyway. So, <laughs> so now, did he take out your entire thyroid? Entire thyroid. So you're on thyroid replacement hormone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I only know this because I had Graves' disease yes. and they did not do surgery, they were going to but it had gotten so far that my heart was affected. And I think they thought surgery was too risky. So I did have radiation to burn out my thyroid. So I've been on thyroid replacement hormone since my early twenties. It's been so long. Um, So I have never heard of that kind of surgery before. So what were you thinking when he said that second surgery, we have to do this radical or this, I guess it was the third one. We're going to be taking out muscles. I mean, what were you thinking? Well, I still had my, my oldest was about 13 at the time. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I was scared. Of course, I never thought I was going to die, but I thought I am going to be so disfigured. Mm. Will I even be able to hold my head up? You know, all these things were going through my mind. So Uh, after that, I went home and in three weeks, I was going to have this radical neck, he called it. I remember I put up wallpaper in that three weeks. And because I couldn't stand to think about it, you know, so I went back, had this big radical neck surgery. And the thing I remember the most about it is just he said to me, looked in my face just before they put me out, you know, and he said, I forgot to tell you, that when you wake up, you might not have a voice. Whoa, what? What? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Stop. <laughs> and I had already had all the medication and I didn't know, oh. like, is this a dream? Am I dreaming this? And I thought, just take me now. I said, God, just take me to heaven now. That's all right. It's been 40 years. And that's all I remember thinking when I went out. So I just, so when I woke up, I remember, you know how, I was thinking, did that really happen? And so I had this 
black and blue here. I have carpet staples up here. And now they, they don't use those. But back in the mid 90s, that's what they use, the big staples. And I thought, okay, I couldn't move anything. But I thought, all I care about is if I have my voice. So I did this little voice test. Mm, you know, the way we do. But before I did, I shot up a prayer right then and I said, God, you can just take me to heaven right now because I was a wife married to my then husband, had three young children. I had plenty to say. So before I tried my voice, I said, God, if you will let me have my voice, I promise to use it for good in this world, however I can, to encourage women, to inspire women who are broken in all sorts of ways, but people that have been broken because of cancer as well. So then I tried my voice and I still had a voice, obviously. So that was a, 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 a bright spot in all of it. Did you say anything to him at the next follow-up appointment or anything after to say, you should have warned me ahead of time? I mean, no, no, I didn't. To do that as you were going under anesthesia. Yeah. He said, I forgot to tell you. And that was a big thing. Oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a big thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So it turned out all right, but it, who knows, you know? Oh my goodness. Oh gosh. Now, many people think that cancer is genetic and some cancers are genetic, not nearly as many as people think less than 10%. However, thyroid issues are very genetic. So was there any one cancer in your family and or any thyroid issues in your family? None, none whatsoever. Wow. No. And your kids were quite young the first time. But the second time they were older, mm -hmm. what do they remember today from that time, if anything? They remember mom with this, you know, I, I think they thought I was just going to be um, disabled or, you know, whatever. You just don't know. And they didn't say too much, except I, I can remember coming home, laying on the couch with all the flowers that people give you in the hospital. And I was just laying out on the couch like this. And I had the flowers on the coffee table and my children were just coming home from school. They were in junior high. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I look like I'm in a coffin. All these flowers around me. And I was just laying there on the couch, resting my neck. And I thought, poor kids will think I, I kicked the bucket. <laughs> so I get up and move the flowers around a little bit. So it wouldn't look like that. Just funny things, you know. <laughs> And you didn't they have to good. do any follow-up radiation? No radiation, no chemo, but lots of therapy follow-up, you know, because a lot of times, you know, you compensate for losing a lot of muscle here and you can end up like this. So I did a lot of therapy so I, you know, keep my neck upright. A lot of physical therapy. Wow. A lot of physical therapy. And I had a lot of headaches just from neck strain from here. So it took me a lot of years to deal with all of that, but we got here. And for people who don't know, because I know I didn't know until it happened to me, can you say just in layman's terms, what the thyroid does and why, when this happens to someone, you have to take thyroid replacement hormone. It has to do with just, um, your energy levels big time. I know yeah. that because your thyroid could be overactive or underactive. So you have to keep 
your thyroid medication regulated by having blood tests every now and then to make sure, you know. So every time I start to gain weight, I think, oh, it's got to be the thyroid medication. <laughs> it, can't, it can't be what I'm eating. <laughs> But, but it often is, yeah. right? It controls your energy, your mood, your metabolism, like this little yeah. tiny gland yeah. that does all this work. And until you no longer have it, you don't really appreciate <laughs> what it does. Uh, and my weight has fluctuated over the years for sure, especially, mm -hmm. especially right after. Yeah. Because sure. it took so long to just get the dosage right. And it's to your point, it's always been adjusted. My thyroid yeah. was just adjusted, adjusted, um, last week. Yeah. So tell us about being a cancer caregiver. Well, I, I just quickly want to throw this in here. Sure. Um, during that five years, the first operation, when I was 35, the other two happened when I was 40, three weeks apart. During that time, I had a cousin, my same, the same age as me. We were very close around the same age. She had melanoma before I got cancer and she had it after I got cancer, but she passed away, mm. but not before she was pregnant with her second child when she got it. And for 12 years, she traveled back and forth to Toronto and to the cancer center. She fought and fought and fought. And I just like to say to anybody in your audience, that wonders if it's worth the fight, it is, because they said that she added years to her life because of her fight, and she wanted to stay with her children as long as possible. So I say that to say when I was cancer-free, I, I felt this guilt almost, survivor's guilt. Why her and not me? So I just want to put that there before I get into the caregiving mode. So up to 2018, my mom is 86 at the time, and she develops a lump on her neck. And so when you said, did anybody in my family have it? No, they didn't. So she's 86. We go through all the routines, and I was her primary caregiver, but it was lymphoma, which oh. is different. Yeah. So we did her um, chemo, her radiation, all of that, and she survived. She's 90 now. She's a tough cookie. And she's back driving and walking. And doing <laughs> yeah. So, you know, didn't set her back at all. She, she thought it would do her in, but it didn't. So that's a, a good story. A that caregiving is a great story. story. How was your experience as a caregiver different than when you were a patient? It made me uh, more empathetic, more um, being understanding, a being a caregiver knowing that just knowing what it feels like the, I guess the unknown. So yeah. it made me a little more, I think, empathetic, I would say. Okay. What was your worst moment in those five years? You specifically. Um, the worst moment in those five years was when there were two of them when he said I might lose my voice, but that was a short moment because I went out after that. <laughs> right, I think the under. worst one, the worst one was seeing all my neck and all these carpet staples thinking you are going to be so disfigured. I was 40. You are a mess. You are going to be scarred. You're not going to go want to go anywhere. You're, you know, just feeling sorry for that was my worst moment. I think. Where did all that negative self-talk come from? Do you think? 
Um, I really don't know. I guess thinking that our beauty's on the outside when it isn't, it's on the inside. There's a funny thing that happened if I have a moment to tell you. When I was in nine days for this last radical neck surgery, the night before, I was just so anxious and my palms were sweaty and I'm in the hospital room because I knew the next morning I'm going to have my throat slashed again and all this is going to happen. So I got my makeup out and I was putting on all my makeup just for something to do, you know. Used to be Mary Kay sales ladies, lots of makeup. And there were people across behind the curtain visiting and I could hear them talking about me and they were saying, I don't know what she's putting makeup on for. She's not going anywhere. And I just started crying and crying and crying. So the nurse came in and I told her and she said, we'll move you. So they moved me. So I just want to say sometimes people cannot realize that when you're in stress, you have anxiety, you do stupid things. I knew I wasn't going anywhere, but it, it kept gave me something to do while I was waiting for the next morning. So, you know, there's things like that you remember. There's a Lifetime movie. Yes, I'm admitting to watching Lifetime movies sometimes. Um, <laughs> and I think it's based on a book and the title is why I wore lipstick to my mastectomy. Oh, good. And, yeah. <laughs> and that was very important for her just to make oh, herself yeah. feel good. Of course, she wasn't going anywhere. She was going into major surgery, but right. she wanted to feel good. And she had gotten breast cancer quite young. I think she was in her thirties. As far as I know, it's still a survivor, but I thought that was brilliant. It's like, yeah, why not? Brilliant. Oh, my kind of girl. <laughs> yeah. And how dare those people for judging you? It was none of their business. Really. It wasn't. There's one more part of the cancer journey. Um, oh, we're not done talking about it, but go ahead. <laughs> we're not done talking about it. No. Um, so that was my mom. That was wonderful. So Christmas morning, 2020, my now husband called me to come upstairs. I was having my devotions Christmas morning, 2020 coffee in hand devotions, all is good. Thinking about how Christmas day is going to go about six o'clock. He says, can you come upstairs, please came upstairs. And within an hour, we were in the outpatients. We had to go and he was diagnosed with cancer on Christmas day, 2020. Gosh, Patricia, that was my next chance to be a caregiver. Um, he had bowel cancer, rectal cancer, whatever. He's still with us. And he had the colonoscopy bag, all that. I asked him if I could say this and he said, it was okay. <laughs> I have, perm- I have permission. So this next week coming up, he is going to have the final surgery to, to put that back. And then we will be able to put a bow on this cancer journey. <laughs> wow. So and to do that all during COVID. Yes. Could yes. not have been easy. Could so, not. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so patient twice, essentially and caregiver twice. Yes. That's a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. A lot. For sure. Mm-hmm. What was your best moment? I asked worst moment. What was your best moment in your personal cancer journey? When I had my found out, I still had my voice for sure. Yeah. And was that when the moment you woke up from surgery? That's what I, I, I get, I did the little test on my voice and it was there and I'm going, yes. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's, yeah. a, that's a very big deal. It was. Mm-hmm. So 
how do you look at your life differently now? Especially since you've been a caregiver twice and that's, and that's all very recent. So how, how do you look at your life differently if you do? Oh, yes, I sure do. I look at it as if cancer is not here and our life is there. It, it, it's woven into our lives and we may as well make friends with it because even if you beat it, you still have to go back for checkups and maybe change your diet or go to therapy and any number of things. So you may as well embrace it and live with it and realize it's probably not going to be as bad as we originally thought. And plus, I'm more thankful for everything. Grateful for everything. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's not always easy. No, it isn't. So I'm going to ask you about something that I normally wouldn't ask about, but it's in your bio. And I thought it was very interesting. That was in your bio. So you talk about being a divorcee, which is a word you don't hear very often anymore anyway, which I just love because there's, there's, I think the movie is the gay divorcee, which is such a oh, fun movie. I didn't know that. Oh, God. I think it's from the fifties. Might be from oh, the forties. I don't know. Oh yeah. It's been remade. Oh yeah. I think Ginger Rogers was in this second version or whatever, but I love old movies. So, um, so talk a little bit about that. Cause there's definitely something there because during your cancer journey, you were married to your first husband. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You should ask because, um, um, I had the divorce, of course, after 30 years of marriage, my children had grown up out of the house well after that surgery. And, um, I went too quickly into another marriage that lasted about two years. So I'm a twice divorced person as well. So that's why, so now I'm in my third marriage. And then when he got cancer, I thought, you know, like, (laughs) but he's fine. So that's why um, in my bio, I might mention from broken to beloved, because I felt broken on so many levels, so many levels. And so my story is in midlife, putting the pieces back together, if you will. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> it does. And I really yeah. appreciate it. I posted the other day about how I didn't learn how to love myself a hundred percent love myself until my forties. And that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And, and until I learned to love myself, I was never going to find the person who was right for me. No. Yeah. And that's what it took. It really, it really took learning how to love myself. There's a lot of truth in that. A lot of truth in that from my experience. (laughs) Yeah. Being married for three decades, that's a long time. And three children and then go your separate ways and then make a huge mistake, which you have to give yourself some grace. I always say God gives us grace. So we have to give ourselves grace. Yeah. But now you're with the right guy. Yeah. And I'm cancer-free. He's cancer-free. And that's why I like to say, let's put a bow on this and pack it away. (laughs) So if you could go back to that 35-year-old, what's one thing you wish you known at the beginning of your cancer journey? That I certainly wouldn't be able to control anything in life. You know, I think back then, you know, you're trying to have the perfect home. I was thinking of myself anyway, the perfect marriage, the perfect kids, the perfect everything. No, no, no. 
what I wish I had have known then is you are about to go on a journey where you will control nothing. So just chill out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what I would say. There's very little you can control. I, and I agree. Absolutely. What I learned as a cancer caregiver, I truly understood what the serenity prayer meant. I'd always yes. heard it. It had been in our home since I was a little girl for as long as I can remember, but I didn't really know what it meant. And until I went oh. through it as a caregiver and it was like, oh yeah, yeah you really, you ha- really have to understand what you can and can't control big time. Yeah. That's not easy. No, it isn't. Patricia, if you could only do one thing to improve healthcare in Canada, where you live, what would it be and why? To improve it would be the communication between the the doctors, the caregivers and the patients to communicate beforehand what the options are, what the outcomes might be. Is that pertinent to not only your story, which clearly it is, but is that have any bearing on your experience as a caregiver as well? Not so much as a caregiver, but more so from my personal journey, because I noticed with these last two caregiver journeys, maybe it's because they're, you know, time has passed and maybe people have, are doing better now, but they seem to have a better understanding of what was laying ahead for them. Yeah. Do you think it's possible that you knew which questions to ask as well? I think it's possible. Yes. Because the first time I was so naive, I I just was emotional. I didn't know what I should ask, what I shouldn't ask. So when I looked after my mom and my husband, yes, I do remember thinking what to ask and reminding them what they should ask too. So important. It is. And how do you know? How do you know if you haven't been through it? I mean, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Patricia, are you ready for the Thriver rapid fire questions? I am. (laughs) Beach, desert, or mountains? Beach. Beach boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Oh, I better say the Beatles. (laughs) I'm going to say beach boys, but no Beatles. Oh, I love beach boys. That's my, that's my go-to. What is one word that best describes you? Um, I'd like to say compassionate. That was the word. That That was the word I had for you. I kid you not. (laughs) I did this like thing in my head where, and for some reason with that question, I always have like a word that pops up with a person. That was the word kid you not. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I was just going to say, I hope it is true of me. Oh, hundred (laughs) percent. That was the word that I identified with you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right. Continue. Sorry. Uh, Before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? Oh, I think amazing grace, amazing grace. And what about the last meal you want to eat? Oh my goodness sakes. Oh, I would say scallops. (laughs) That's very specific. (laughs) I want to have some scallops. Yeah. Yeah. What about the last person or people you want to see? Uh, my husband and my children. Yeah. yeah. And the last words you will speak. Oh my goodness. Thank you all. Love you all. Yeah. Miss you. <laughs> yeah. How can people get in touch with you? 
they can go to my website. It's from broken to beloved.com. I love that. That's the name of your website. Yeah. And all the social media and contact is all there. Yeah. And I'm doing a book in that title as well, which Ooh. some of these cancer stories are woven in the book. So yeah. when's the book going to be done? The end of the summer. That's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. Brave. I'm brave. It's scary too, <laughs> but I would say the website would be the place. Yes. All right. So we will put a link to that in the show, show notes and the workshop notes. And Patricia, thank you for in dealing with numerous technical difficulties today. I do apologize. Um, but I really appreciate your patience and thank you for coming on and talking about your cancer journey, but also talking a little bit about your mother and husband as well. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.